Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. This particular episode is from a series we call Conversations with the Collective. In this series, I'm accessing the depth and breadth of the collective human consciousness on planet Earth. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the questions and comments that I receive back from the collective. Enjoy. Hello, friend. My name is Maria. I come to you today via a little bit of a different format that we wanted to try out. So this one is cold conversations with a collective. So essentially what happens is from the standpoint of my higher self, I am able to connect to the collective of humanity that is alive on planet Earth today. From this perspective, I'm able to see everything that you are and everything that you are not. I'm able to sense your deepest wishes, your desires. I'm able to understand what you're going through on a daily basis, the thoughts that you're thinking, the feelings that you're feeling. I'm able to read the questions that you have been asking yourself, the questions that you have been asking the universe behind closed doors. And I would like to provide the answers for you. I will also be using this format to talk to you about the topics that you would have never asked about, because that might just be beyond the veil of your understanding. This is also the format that I hope could evolve over time, because I am taking it as it comes, downloaded and channeled directly from spirit, from my higher self. So in this first episode, I wanted to talk to you about a framework for the evolution of worlds. This is not necessarily something that you think about on a daily basis. This is not something that has even been downloaded yet on planet Earth. This is entirely new information, an entirely new concept. It is not part of a human collective. But through the virtue of us conversing today, what ends up happening is not only am I able to tune in or tune into what you guys are wondering, but I'm also able to communicate to you directly to your collective consciousness. As in, I'm able to transfer the knowledge, impart the knowledge that I have to you on a collective level for the betterment of everyone, for the greater good. So that's why I felt that today was a very important topic to cover. The topic is the evolution of worlds. What do I mean by the evolution of the worlds? What is that concept and why should you care? In the podcast that my partner Sergey and I have called the Conversations with My Higher Self, we are touching upon a lot of spiritual topics and one of the topics is the matrix. So just to give you a quick refresher, right? The matrix that you all live in is a mathematical system. It is a virtual reality-led system that essentially was created by beings in order 
to help you better yourself, evolve over time, and descend at soul level. Now, the reason it is a virtual reality system is because from perspective of source consciousness, as well as the perspective of your soul and spirit energies, a virtual reality is like a large dreamscape. It essentially is not real. It does not exist outside of being a programmatic, a programmable type of universe, not unlike the video game that or the video games that you guys are all familiar with. So in the same way that you don't think of a video game that you play in this reality as something that is quote-unquote real, in the same way your soul would not think of virtual reality or the matrix as quote-unquote real. And of course, it is from your perspective, right? And what is real in the first place, I think, is a grand argument that we're not going to get into today. But the matrix operates according to a particular set of rules. Right now, you all are existing in a third-dimensional reality. That is what you are experiencing day in and day out. So the aspect of collective that I am connecting to today is everybody who is essentially alive and breathing on planet Earth. Now, many of you might not even have a big understanding around you know, 3D, 5D energies. The matrix in the first place right, is, is a little bit of a foreign concept. And so what is not really front and center for you is how your world, the only world that you are frankly aware of, ladders up to the rest of creation. And how does it make sense with the rest of creation? You see, the, the fact that you came here is not random because nothing is random in the universe. And I worry a lot that your biggest blind spot as humanity, as the collective, comes from the standpoint and from the fact that you guys are missing the bigger picture. Essentially, you don't understand the bigger picture. You just understand your day in and day out, you know, the mundane aspect of reality, right? And even, and even the things that are just a little bit outside of that mundane aspect, such as your dreamscape, for instance, or even energy work, right? Even meditation and like why it works and all the energy practices, that is a little bit out of the ordinary for a lot of you. And yet, I believe that because you're missing this perspective, you're missing some vital pieces of the puzzle that if you had access to, I believe the choices that you would be making in your day-to-day life would be quite different. So it is my intention today and in the course of these conversations that we're going to be having with you that I help shed the light on the things that you don't know that you don't know, among other things. That I help shed the light on your collective shadow that I help shed the light on the things that you misunderstand as a collective so that you could grow faster and so you could hit your goals faster and so you could essentially evolve and eventually ascend. Okay, now going back to the evolution of worlds. This particular framework that I will be explaining to you today is essentially a framework within the matrix, so within this large virtual reality that governs your day-to-day life. This is the framework that was created and put in place by the creators of the matrix as a path of evolution. Everything within the matrix has a blueprint. Everything within the matrix operates according to a set of laws. 
traveling between dimensions or ascending from a lower dimension into a higher dimension is governed by a set of laws as well. Now, a lot of you have heard, right, especially the ones in the spiritual field, a lot of you have heard about the age of Aquarius, about planet Earth moving into 5D consciousness, all the good stuff, right? Which actually, actually, is a part of the framework that I'm going to be talking to you about today. The framework that I'm going to be discussing today is called the five-pointed star framework. And essentially, it describes how worlds evolve within the matrix structure. Within the collective universe, within the universe of the matrix, if you will, there exists multiple dimensions. There are dimensions from essentially 2D up until 12D. 1D and 4D are not dimensions where life exists the way you know it. So 2D would be the most uh, basic dimension where life exists. Uh, But essentially, even 3D is pretty much the most rudimentary dimension. So how things evolve in the matrix, how consciousness evolves in the matrix, is moving from lower dimensions to higher dimensions to essentially be able to graduate on the other side. By graduate on the other side, there is nothing beyond the 12th dimension within this current matrix that we are experiencing, that you guys are experiencing. It doesn't mean that there are not other virtual realities out there that could provide additional learning for you. But just within this one, let's say it does not exist. The way that planets, essentially, as well as galaxies, as well as galaxy clusters, move up the ladder from 3D to 12D is through the concept of a five-pointed star, or the framework of a five-pointed star. Okay, how do I explain this? This is a little bit complicated. Imagine there is a star, and the star has five points. And when all five points of the stars act are activated, essentially what this means is it enables or it represents the pinnacle of consciousness or the pinnacle of development of that consciousness. So essentially in a 12th dimensional world, any 12th dimensional world, and God knows there are plenty, right? There's not just one type of a 12th dimensional world. But what characterizes actually 11th and 12th dimensional worlds, both of these, is the fact that all five points of the star are activated. As you go down the ladder, you start losing points. So in an activated star, or like when it's fully activated, the full star lights up, right? So there is light and energy that lights up every aspect of that star, every point of that star. And because of that, it is a very harmonious, balanced system. Now, you don't really fully get into a balanced system up until you reach dimension 11, unfortunately, right? So essentially, all the worlds below dimension 11 are experiencing a star that is not fully lit up yet. Your dimensions 10 and 9 experience a star when four of its points have been lit up. Dimensions 8 and 7 experience the star when three points are lit up. Dimensions 6 and 5 experience a star when two points are lit up. And dimension 3 and 2, essentially experience a star with only one point is lit up. What do I mean by that? Why should you care in the first place? And, you know, the questions that I'm getting from the collective as I'm describing this is, what is the star? What does it even mean? You know, what are the five points? So let, let's, let's try to get you guys clarity. I know there's a lot of questions. It's a pretty 
rich and confusing topic, essentially. The start is comprised of the following aspects. Point number one of the star is mind, the rational intellectual mind, the supremacy of the intellect, of the brain, the divine masculine, essentially, is one of the points of the star. The second point of the star is the divine feminine point of the star. This is the heart energy. This is your magnetism. This is your ability to nurture things. This is your ability to look, you know, outside of self and being able to perceive the emotions and feelings of others. So this is your feeling pillar. The next point in that star is a point called spirit, essentially. So this is your third type of energy. Now you have essentially divine masculine, as we discussed, divine feminine, and then we have the spirit pillar, which is, for all of the matrix worlds, what that represents is connection to higher self, connection to your guides, connection to higher consciousness, connection to the greater unity, right? So this is the point that takes you almost outside of the matrix into the truth of existence. That's the point of spirit. The fourth point of the star is the point of truth. So truth is a compass, a moral compass. It's how you navigate a world. It is how do you find your North Star. It is all about how to find direction. It is all about how you live your truth and speak your truth, share your truth with others. So the truth aspect, when it is activated in societies, is providing, like I said, a moral compass for folks individually as well as at the collective level. So in societies where the truth point is activated, essentially it's exceptionally hard for them to go astray or run themselves into the ground that it would be quite impossible for them because the aspect of truth really represents direction and being guided and being directed from higher aspects. And then the last point of the star is the point of love. Now, love is not a feeling and love is not an emotion. That is exceptionally, exceptionally important to understand. Love is a state and it is a state of oneness. And essentially in all of creation, there are only two states that things can live in or things can exist in. And the two states are as follows. It's either the presence of love or the absence of love. And that's it. So it's kind of like an on-off switch, right? At any point in time, you personally, as well as people around you, are either in the state of love or are in the absence of the state of love. As I said, love is a state of oneness. This means really feeling the unity and knowing that unity runs supreme in the universe. Essentially, this is the knowing that all separation is a fallacy, that separation does not exist. Essentially, this is an understanding that we all came from one source and eventually we'll go back to that one source yet again. Collectively, these five points represent the five-pointed star. Or, in other words, 
perfectly coherent system or a perfectly coherent, perfectly balanced world. So you can think of it actually as an end game. You know how all of you have end games? Well, a lot of you have end games, or at least a lot of you have dreams. You know, you're like, oh, one day I want to be this, or I want to be that, or I want to make this much money, or I want to be on the cover of Forbes, or I want to be famous. Whatever your end game is, hey, I'm not judging. Some of you just want to retire on, you know, on the south of France. That's cool. Some of you want to see Mars. That's a beautiful end game. Whatever your end game is, right? Wouldn't you agree that it is a driving force behind what you do on a daily basis? Glad that you, yes, I hear you. The guys are agreeing. So that being said, right? Imagine that you are an architect of the matrix, right? You're an architect of the matrix. Essentially, the matrix is your baby. And as you're imagining that, as you're envisioning that, one thing that you would probably feel as an architect, right? Say that you have built this beautiful system full of mathematical equations. And because you're the decision maker of the system, one thing you have decided is that there is an end game for everybody, for all the worlds, for all the people. And that end game is this five-pointed star. Essentially, this five-pointed star represents the best possible configuration of a world. And thus, the best possible configuration of any individual consciousness. What I mean by that is, as a being, right, in the same way, in the same way that a world can have perfect balance, a being can also have perfect balance as above, so below, right? One of the main hermetic principles. So as a being, you essentially are also a five-pointed star. Now, imagine that that is your configuration as a being, right? You're a five-pointed star. Now, depending on where you are in your journey as a soul, as a being, you could have any number of the points activated. You know, nobody really starts with any points activated, really, at the beginning. And then everybody down the road finishes with all five activated. So that being said, right, you cannot incarnate in a 12th-dimensional world that represents five-pointed star, the consciousness of a five-pointed star, if you yourself have not integrated the consciousness of a five-pointed star. The reason being is like attracts like. This is a universe where birds of a feather essentially stick together, right? They're, you know, it's called the clustering principle within the universe where essentially similar type energies are going to cluster together because that is the best way to preserve that type of energy. And then things that are not alike are going to actively repel one another. So that being said, in order for you to start incarnating in worlds that are higher dimensional, and by the way, more fun, trust me, higher dimensional worlds are way more fun than 3D. You have to start cultivating within yourself more aspects of a five-pointed star because that is the only way that you evolve as a soul. And that is the only way that you evolve as a being. Now, let me start bringing it home for you guys a little bit because I know that when I start talking, when I talk all these like big picture stuff, like a lot of you are, it's hard for you to follow. Like I know that at this point, I'm like, I lost a lot of you. So let me try to bring you back. This is the come to Jesus moment. Like, why should you care? Let's look at planet Earth. Planet Earth, like a third dimensional, third dimensional planet, has only one point of a five-pointed star activated. Arguably, you know, planet Earth is on its way to ascension 
um, into 5D consciousness. It hasn't transitioned yet. It has just, it's dipping its toes, you guys. It hasn't fully transitioned yet. And the reason it hasn't fully transitioned yet is because you as a collective consciousness, you as humanity, you as a species need to be able to unlock one more point within the five-pointed star for that to happen, right? Right now, one of the points of the five-pointed star is activated. Let me quickly remind you what the five points are. Intellect, heart, truth, love, and spirit. I'm going to ask you a question. Which one, which is the one point that is activated currently on planet Earth? What do you think? I want to hear your answers. <laughs> oh, you guys are so cute. Okay, you know what the answers that are coming through? Enough of you think it's heart, and a lot of you think it's love. Well, that's just endearing, you guys. The fact that you think that heart is activated on this planet, I'm applauding I'm you. Uh, or, or love, for that matter. I don't know where you heard that love is activated. I know that, you know, all we need is love. Like, we'll all believe those songs. Actually... So here's the the T. The one point that is activated within the five-pointed star on planet Earth is this the point of intellect. That is the one that is lighting up for planet Earth. Not heart and not love at all, right? But I find it endearing. I find it endearing. Um, that you guys would think that this is the planet you're on and you essentially are on a planet of intellect. There are many planets out there and we're going to get into your planet in a second. Third dimensional worlds are not all created equal. The only thing they have in common outside of the level of vibrations is how many points of the star are activated. And so essentially all third dimensional worlds only have one point activated. However, it can be any of the points of the star. It doesn't have to be just intellect. Some third-dimensional planets, some third-dimensional worlds start with activating the heart space. Others, you know, the aspect of love or truth or spirit. It doesn't, I mean, there's not, not one path to evolution. Now, you, just so we're clear, on planet Earth are practicing the aspect of the intellect. Not just you, by the way. Every single planet in the solar system is practicing the aspect of intellect. The solar system is actually a very homogenous type of system. It's not that different in terms of consciousness that it attracts. Again, like attracts like. It's a cluster. It's a, it's a cluster that, in the grand scheme of things, is very, like, every planet is really close to each other. So the difference in their vibrations is not that dramatic. Essentially, it's pretty much non-existent. Okay. Getting back to my original point of you guys have been practicing the pillar of the intellect. And I'm going to use these words interchangeably. Pillar, point, you know, if if that makes sense. I know there, ooh, okay. (laughs) What's coming through the collective is a lot of confusion, you guys. You're very confused. I get it. I hear you. And then some of you are not only confused, but you are outright disagreeing with the statement, which is completely fine completely fine. Listen, that's why we're having this conversation, right, at the collective levels, because I want you to give me the feedback of the things that you don't understand. You don't understand them. That's why you have me, right? If you could understand everything, arguably, you would be the one teaching me and not the other way around. So I'm I'm glad, right? I'm glad that you're asking all these questions. And I'm even glad for the ones of you that are really vocal right now, 
on the collective level and telling me what exactly is confusing. So, okay, for the ones of you that are really upset that this is an intellect-based world, can you tell me what your argument is? Okay, the argument of the collective is, if we are in an intellect-based world, what about the heart? Because essentially the collective belief is that you make a lot of decisions based on the heart. And I'll tell you that it is not about... Obviously, you're human, right? And you have a heart and you have a brain, right? So, like, I'm not going to take that away from you. But on the collective level, let's look at the kind of decision-making that is okay on this planet and the kind of decision-making that is not okay on this planet. Let's talk about the fact, maybe let's start with business. Let's start with the world of money because they say the money really runs the world. Let's start with the fact that this is a very patriarchal society. Let's start with the fact that In the U.S., you've never had a female president. So the one thing you have to remember is like the intellect is just one way to look at this pillar of the five-pointed star, right? So if you disagree with me, let's just look at the facts. The facts are a lot of your business men, a men, that's why it's even in the world. Yes, there is like the business woman, but like that is not really what you think of when you think like an uber-rich multi-billionaire, you don't, your mind does not go to a woman. Your mind goes to Bill Gates, maybe Zuckerberg. Your, your mind goes to uh, Jeff Bezos. It's a guy. Warren Buffett, maybe, you know? is Essentially, you're thinking about a white male. And uh, don't even get me started. But like, not only is this a patriarchal society, but it is also a society that is, even within the patriarchy, is exceptionally divided. Because somehow you've decided that men of a particular race are somehow better than everybody else. And I'm saying that because I'm looking at the collective, like, I am exposing how you guys feel, right? And and enough of you, by the way, right now are angry that I even said that, right? They're like, how dare she? Well, I dare because I'm reading off of a script that you guys wrote collectively. And yes, it sucks to be able to face your shadow, to have to face your shadow like that, and to have to face how you've been living your life. Okay, so who runs the world? Boys. In your, on your planet, you guys, not girls, boys. Who makes decisions? Men. Maybe not around family, but around what kind of society you live in, around politics, economics, even um, how the resources of the planet are gonna be used, you know? Literally, what are we excavating from the planet? How are we mining? What are we mining? What are we selling it at? Who runs it? Boys. Again, patriarchal society. Patriarchal society. Who is in charge in politics? Men. Who is in charge in business? Men. Okay, let's look at the business one more time. For those of you that believe that this is a planet where you guys make decisions based on your heart or intuition, let's talk about decision-making in business. And then business schools, all these case studies, all these numbers, you know, have you, okay, think back to like a business, for those of you that that have been to business school, how many times have you heard your professors tell you, oh, you should always just go with your gut feeling? Just like, don't don't crunch the numbers. Don't run the model. Who needs the model? Who needs a P&L? Who needs a balance sheet? You just just use your gut feeling. Just use your intuition. Take out a tarot deck, a pendulum. 
Never. You don't hear that. In fact, this is pseudoscience. Intuition, you guys, is pseudoscience. Intuition is not real. And in fact, it's for women. Guys don't have intuition. They have a gut feeling. You know why? Because intuition is something that, you know, is not very masculine. It's not intellect-based. And that's why it's second rate. Do you see how intuition in your society is subordinate to the intellect? And that is exactly what I mean when I say you are an intellect-based planet. Intellect-based planets are very interesting. Intellect-based planets are the ones where the rational always trumps everything else. However, the rational is a very one-sided way of looking at the world because that is where you get dogma. The rational is rational world is where you get a lot of brainwashing. The rational is where you get a lot of groupthink. The rational worlds are also highly hierarchical worlds as opposed to communal worlds. So if we just walked into a third-dimensional planet right now that was run by women, we would actually not see the hierarchy and we would actually not see a world of money and we would actually not see a world of business. And by the way, by the way, we would not see a world of technology. Technology and technological advancement is one of the number one features, like one of the symbols, the pillars, the corner, the cornerstone arrangements of intellectual-based societies, of intellectual-based worlds. No, technology is not ever-present and definitely not in the way that you guys are experiencing technology right now. In other worlds, in other words, there are a ton of planets where technology doesn't take the route that it's going to take here on planet Earth. So yeah, the supremacy of things like science. But yeah, actually, oh, how about that? Let's talk about science and let's talk about faith. Faith is not a concept that is really accepted too much in intellectual-based worlds. It is almost like the opposite of an, an intellectual type of society. So over time, actually, the more you go down the rabbit hole of the intellect and technology, the less you're going to see of things like spirituality, things like faith, and even religion. I don't know if you've been following, but there are statistics right now, and not enough of you are aware, that with the emergence of the internet, and specifically social media, there has been a decline in spirituality. Uh, well, maybe not specifically spirituality, but in religion, for sure. And religion is actually a stepping stone into spirituality, right? So if you look at the younger generation, the younger generation is a lot less religious than the older generation. And it is not actually random. So in intellectual-based worlds, uh, what ends up happening is the concept of God, the concept of source, the concept of like this one force that is above everything that you know, eventually gets replaced by the concept of artificial intelligence. Because essentially, you know, people always need to believe in something greater than themselves. And what you're seeing in this massive exodus from the church, what you're experiencing is the early stages of that transfer of 
God consciousness from however you, you know, used to perceive God, and, and some of you still perceive God as, I guess, this, well, um, I'm overgeneralizing, but this man with a long beard sitting on a cloud. So that is something that, you know, society has been drawing solace from. It's like that there is a God and, you know, eventually there's judgment and all the good stuff and like good people go to heaven and sinners go to hell. All of that is going to be replaced by the supremacy of AI. So in the same way that the past generations believed in the one God, God Almighty, the future generations are going to believe in the supremacy of artificial intelligence. So essentially the concept of God, or God as however you want to call it, but in your case it's God, because of course in an intellect-based world that is run by masculinity, your concept of God cannot be female. Your concept of God cannot even be androgynous. It has to be masculine. And again, like I'm just exposing some of the things that are hidden, right? They are kind of right in front of your, in front of your face, but you need to understand why certain things are the way they are. And the reason that it is so easy for you to believe that God is masculine is not just conditioning. It is because the way that the energies run on this planet, the way that the energies feel on this planet, the way that they interact and manifest on this planet is essentially ruled by divine masculine, where divine masculine is at the top, at the pinnacle of the pyramid, and everything is subordinate to the divine masculine. So every other structure, including the divine feminine, would be exceptionally subordinate in that type of structure. That being said, right, when, when these worlds develop, any world really, there is a way for third dimensional worlds to develop that is a dead end. And there is a way for third dimensional worlds to develop that represents progress and a normal path of evolution. The normal path of evolution generally is an upward spiral. So when worlds evolve, they evolve on a spiral level. In the same way where, you know, if you actually, uh, if you ever watched, you know, at hyperspeeds, how plants grow, they actually don't just grow straight up. They grow in a spiral format, right? Kind of like the Fibonacci sequence that really governs the growth in the matrix. So the way that planets and worlds evolve is also according to the spiral. So it's like an upward movement. Essentially, from where you are today, there are two paths. There is no, no other there is no other road. There is no other way that the sun folds. Here are the two ways. Way number one is a dead end. The dead end is a world where you stay within one pillar and say that's it. Essentially, this would be a world where you would say we're comfortable with a masculine patriarchal society where we make decisions based on intellect where intuition is subordinate, where we don't care about feelings, and in fact, we should deny and suppress our feelings in every which way possible, where we cannot be emotional because emotional decision-making is for the weak or for women, and women certainly don't understand how to run anything, right? And a world where you get women in a position of power essentially being masculine women. A lot of them cut their hair short. A lot of them wear trousers pants, right? Again, in no feminine-run world would a woman ever wear pants, you guys. The only reason that they do is because they're trying to shift their energy and cover their feminine flow. Okay, girls wear skirts because a skirt is a triangle. A triangle, if you think about it like 
you know, from the geometric and just how the energy moves. A triangle is something that can feed. So like the base of the triangle is that aspect of the triangle where things go and are being absorbed. So like the way the energy moves in, within the triangle is from down to up, meaning the bottom of the triangle would absorb the energy and then would send it upwards. Because women essentially are very, very connected to Mother Gaia or to you know, planet, the planet that they incarnate on to the earth aspect of that, the planet. They need the triangle to be able to be fed the normal triangle, like, which is a skirt, essentially. They need it to be able to replenish their energy, their feminine flow, their intuition, their connection to nature, who they are. And they also need that by the way, to be able to balance their emotions so the emotions don't take them over and so the, the emotions don't become so detrimental to them. They have to suppress them in the first place and in the process cause all kinds of disease within their own bodies. So in a society where a woman is forced to put the pants on, and by the way, enough of you, enough of you are completely oblivious to the fact that at one point you were forced to do this as a, as a woman. It wasn't natural for you to wear jeans. But at this point, you don't even notice the difference, do you? Yet again, we're coming full circle. This is yet again one other example of the fact that you're living in a masculine world and you don't even know it. Don't even know it, right? Because a woman that wears pants is not replenishing her feminine energy. In fact, she is masquerading as a guy. And she's failing miserably because... She cannot get that energy, the masculine energy, in the way that men get masculine energy. She's going to have to replenish her masculinity within herself in a way that women replenish their masculinity, which essentially is very different. So I will tell you, for as long as you as women try to mimic and imitate men and try to beat them at their own game, playing by the rules that they have been playing at, you're going to be losing. Essentially, you're going to have a split society. You're going to have the feminist archetype, and you're going to have the subordinate archetype of the woman. And neither which one, by the way, is healthy. Because your feminist archetype is the warrior fighter, but again, she is a very sad archetype indeed, because she is putting herself in a position where she now has to do everything. Run the household and work and, you know, everything in between. So it's go, go, go mode. So feminists, in fact, I would argue, are the least happy women or the most unhappy women, right? Because also, again, like, they are the ones that chose to really embody masculinity instead of embodying femininity. What if I were to tell you that the true power as a woman, the true power that you unlock is by going deeper within into your strength. And that is how we get into the other path for the worlds that have one star activated. Not one star, sorry, one point of the star. So we already mentioned, we already spoke about the fact that essentially for intellect-based worlds, for any third dimensional world for that matter, there are two paths. One path is continue on the path or on the road, on the same journey that you have been walking down. 
which essentially would be the progression towards even more masculinity. And make no mistake, technology, the supremacy of technology, technological advancements, and the supremacy of science are all the ways and all the warning signs that you need if you wanted to understand where you're heading. Because you are heading towards more masculinity, not less masculinity. Essentially, worlds that head towards more masculinity end up in like a world that lose the, the world's work, humanity is lost. So essentially, and I've seen, by the way, I've seen this so many times before, like this is not my first rodeo. You guys are not my first planet. I have seen hundreds, if not thousands of planets that are just as stuck as you are today in the same exact way. And then, of course, I've seen even more that were stuck in different ways. But here, here is the interesting part, right? So the progression of, of your planet and of your world is very simple. The next step from here is cyborgs. Well, maybe not right away, right? Starts with chips. Uh, you know, they would put a chip somewhere on you, inside of your body. Then it would be the world of cyborgs where, you know, initially they would be able to replace and transplant some of your organs, then you would not to actually, you know, the, the way you procreate would actually change. The next step to that is like having children through a lab tube. First of all, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound like a very fun technological advancement, but you can be able to be like, well, I want like actually twins and I want them both to be boys and I want, you know, this, uh, this hair color and this eye color and I want to make sure they don't, you know, have a propensity for Alzheimer's or what have you, right? So you would be able to fully engineer and genetically program your future offspring. So, you know, that would be the next step on that path. Uh, and then the more and more down the road, you know, this is also the path actually of eternal youth. So societies that are intellect-based societies tend to be really obsessed with youth because they are a soci societies that like to optimize. Optimization, the game of optimization is actually a very intellectual, it's a very intellectual construct. So what you are already feeling, by the way, and that's how I know you guys are, you're well on your path to becoming cyborgs, not to scare you or anything, right? Uh, but your obsession with youth preservation, from plastic surgery to Botox to fillers to, I mean, all of the things that are coming down the pike to youth elixirs, to nanorobotic technologies that would enable you to stay young forever, this is a byproduct of your brain trying to optimize for just essentially trying to optimize, which again is a byproduct of an intellect masculine type of world, right? Everything needs to be optimized. So think of, do you guys know how like, um, like German manufacturers of cars like are really, really precise? They're really good at that. Like that represents the masculine principle in its, at its best, like just how precise they are with manufacturing of cars. Like the way Germans manufacture cars is how some people manufacture like watch, watches and clocks. They're, it's that precise. Right. So any type of precision and optimization of the world around you is a sign of an intellectual world, of a masculine society. Now, your obsession with looking perfect is only going to get worse from here. And then essentially the part of the reason that cyborgs are even going to take over 
is because your obsession with looking perfect and staying forever young is going to take a whole new amplitude. And so what you would essentially get is a society where people would replace most of their organs uh, with, uh, you know, essentially things that are at first lab grown and then down the road, you know, are parts machine, right? And then eventually, you know, humanity would cease to exist because the moment that you replace the heart organ, because it is essentially, I don't know, heart can give you cancer, heart cancer, or it could give you high blood pressure, whatever. But there comes a point in societies that are very masculine, very intellectual, that there is made a choice to replace the human heart with a version of that organ that is completely not non-organic. And that tends to be the point of no return for societies because essentially the human becomes a machine. And all intellect-based worlds that I have seen, the end of those worlds starts with the emergence of artificial intelligence. So if you guys wanted a sign, this is it. AI is here. AI is on this planet. I don't want to turn this into any type of fear-mongering. In fact, what I think you guys need is an understanding that that is a potential future. I don't want to tell you necessarily what happens with the worlds that lose our humanity, but I will tell you nothing good happens to those worlds. Because if the whole point of your evolution was for you to give up your heart, you would have been made without the heart in the first place. Because I promise you there is a plan. So what is the second way? The second way is the only non-dead-end scenario of the two that I just described. The second way is a society that starts integrating another pillar, that starts integrating another point of the five-pointed star. Any point. Either of them is going to work. Whichever one you choose to integrate is good enough. You can start by integrating the divine feminine, or you could start by integrating spirit. You could start by integrating truth, or you can start by integrating love. As long as you integrate something. And I hate to say this, but we are running out of time. There's not that much time left. Not that much time. Yeah. So that being said, let's discuss your options. You know, which one is it going to be? Because I'm talking to you at the collective level today, you can make a choice. You can decide which pillar you like the most. I would say integrating the spirit pillar would be exceptionally hard for you to do. Spirit in general is one of those pillars that tends to be easier to integrate dimension seven and above. Just happens so. Because then spirit becomes real. Then, you know, you would walk into a position where uh, the veil of forgetfulness works very differently in some dimensional worlds and up. Like you'd be able to remember your past lives by definition. You would all be connected to at least some semblance of your, you know, guardians and guides in, in the etheric realm, right? So that just is not the lowest hanging fruit, let me tell you. Which leaves us three pillars. The pillar of love, the pillar of truth, and the pillar of the divine feminine. So which one is it going to be? The pillar of love is something that Jesus preached. You know, take somebody as a part of yourself. Treat them as you wish to be treated. 
it is not a very easy pillar to integrate. But it is something that enough of you are resonating with, right? That enough of you feel in your hearts that love might, be, might just be the answer, right? So how do you integrate love if you choose to integrate love? Integrating love, as mundane as that would sound, starts with you. So step one of integrating love is not loving another. Step one is of, of integrating love is loving yourself as you are today. Not as you're going to be tomorrow and not as you were yesterday. Loving yourself today, every aspect of you, every cell of you. That means looking at yourself in the mirror and not seeing all the ways that you're off or you are wrong. It means looking at yourself in the mirror and seeing all the ways that you are right, all the ways that you are perfect, all the ways that you are a child of God and a child of source, all the ways that you are a creatress or a creator, all of the ways that you matter, all of the ways that you are great. So start noticing all the good things about yourself. Create a self-love journal. List all the things about yourself that are great. List all of your accomplishments. List all the features about yourself that you love. What I notice actually at the collective level, as I'm like scanning, you know, looking at you guys right now, a good 90% of you would focus on a few things that you hate about yourself. And only 10% of you, you know, when you think about yourself, you would think something good is the first thing that comes to mind. So literally, this is a consciousness and the planet of self-criticism. And you know what self-criticism is? It's the absence of love. So you all are experiencing an off switch as it relates to love. Arguably, if 90% of you are not capable of loving yourself, you're not capable of loving other. And by the way, for the 10% of you that are capable of loving yourself, you might still not be capable of loving other. So don't think that you already have it activated. So I urge you to take your inner critic and lower the volume of him or her. Whatever is that voice that is talking to you and telling you how you're imperfect and it's all just a big mess, just lower the volume. Your inner critic is a frequency. It's a thought frequency. It's a mental frequency. Your inner critic is very loud because, again, the mental runs the game. It runs the show on this planet. That's why your thoughts run supreme. That's why your thoughts cause you feelings, not the other way around. In female-led worlds, feelings run the thoughts. In your world, the thought runs the feeling. That's the difference. You're just wired differently. Again, that's, that's fine. That's where you are today. But does that represent the entirety of what you could be? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because self-critic is a frequency, you can lower it just like you would a frequency on the radio. You can just turn down the volume. So next time you hear your inner critic being essentially being itself and doing what it does best, which is criticize you, you literally stretch out your hand and you do the motion the way you would like lower the frequency on the radio. You just do the motion with your hand and you would be surprised that you are able to literally lower down the frequency of your inner critic. And that should become a habit. Every time your inner critic is criticizing you, 
lower down the volume, lower down the volume, lower down the volume. The one thing that you're fully in control of, if you really, if you only chose that path, is what's going on in your head. What are the frequencies that you want to receive and what are the frequencies that you don't want to receive? You are in charge. Nobody can tell you otherwise. You are in charge. So that is, if you chose to be guided by love, that is definitely a very viable option, a very viable pillar for you guys to unlock. Let's look at the second pillar. The second pillar that you could be selecting is truth. This means choosing your truth over the truth of everyone else. You come in a society where truth is not activated. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no automation behind truth. So what this means is, in general, what characterizes world where the vertical of truth, the pillar of truth is switched off, is societal blueprints instead of personal blueprints. So there is kind of like a way that things are done here. And you all are conditioned into them. You know, there's like, you go to kindergarten, you go to school, preschool, all the good stuff, and you get married at a certain age. You know, there's a normal number of children you're supposed to have. It's a blueprint. And, and then it goes above and beyond that. You know, there are blueprints within familial lineages as well, within families, right? Where like certain occupations are more praised. Other occupations are like, no, no, don't do that. So instead of having your own compass, Instead of going within and listening to who you are at soul level and why you came here, what you guys are doing is you're following a bunch of blueprints. So you're essentially chasing your own tail. And then when it comes time to die, you come with all of these regrets. You're like, oh, I wish I did this. Oh, I wish I did that. Right? The reason being is because your compass is broken. For a lot of you, you don't even have one in the first place. So it feels exceptionally confusing. You know, a lot of you cannot even answer the simplest questions. Who am I? Why did I come here? What is my purpose? What is my mission? And enough of you are listening to folks that are telling you that having a mission is a fallacy in the first place. You're not supposed to have a purpose. What do you mean purpose? Who needs a purpose in the first place? Purpose is for losers. It's all about exploring and like randomly jumping from one thing to another to another. Well, actually, no. Societies that have a compass, societies that are run by truth, are first and foremost run by their personal truth. These are societies where people go within for answers. They don't go without. They don't go to the outside world for answers. And look at how good you guys are at going for answers to the outside world. Look at the therapy, life coach, you know, shrinks, all of these people are essentially professional advice givers. Yeah. And all of these industries are built off of, you know, instead of you listening to yourself, you're listening to others. What about the hierarchy in business? You know, as in your boss telling you what to do. You don't know, who needs a compass when their boss always tells them what to do? What about the societal blueprint that tells you when to get married and, and, and you know, how many children you, you're like, and by when you should have them, oh my God. You know, how you should be like behaving if you, if you belong, quote, quote unquote, to a particular gender. You know, like if you're a guy, you know, guys tend to shave and they tend to have shorter hair and, you know, they tend to wear pants, et cetera. Like all of this, you know, is conditioning, essentially. Does that represent your personal truth? 
I don't think you ever, ever bothered to ask yourself, or enough of you haven't, right? Unless something felt terribly wrong, and then you did. But for most of you, you just go with a blueprint. You don't necessarily see anything that's wrong with it. So if you want to activate your truth, you want to connect to your higher self, connect to your higher aspects, connect to the North Star, right? Essentially, there is like North Star activations that you could do on this planet because North Star represents that pinnacle of truth. You know, if you wanted to align yourself to something, if you wanted to have a compass, you could align yourself to the North Star. Since the ancient times, you know, travelers, voyagers, sailors knew that the North Star always could show them the way, right? In the same way, that's how you could use it today by just like aligning to the North Star. And that's why it's actually very important to align to the North in general. When you don't know where you're going, align to the North. Literally, all of you have a cell phone. There is a compass on that cell phone. Find the North. Face the North. When you're making decisions, face the North. Ask the North Star to guide you when you're making decisions. Make sure that your working desk faces the North, if possible. As you're meditating, face the North. As you're sleeping, you know, align your bed so that your head is aligned to the North. You will not regret it. This is one way that you can bring the truth of existence into this reality and the truth pillar. That's how you revive it. That's how you activate it. Also, groupthink and brainwashing. Ooh, don't you have an uphill battle with, with truth and the concept of truth? Uh, media, social media, as well as just the good old traditional media is not a way to seek truth. In fact, everybody that partakes in these broadband type of media outlets is being led away and astray from the truth. So again, and by the way, a distracted person is not the person that looks within. And media does the distracting game very, very well. So one thing you really want to make sure of is if you're serious about activating this aspect within yourself, spend more time reminiscing, thinking about your life, planning your life, going within, meditating, connecting to the truth of who you are instead of chasing the next Instagram post or binge-watching things on Netflix, TikToking, or whatever else that you like to do. Because all of that is a distraction. And last is a divine feminine principle. The divine feminine principle is all about activating a heart. It's all about activating the feeling. And the heart, by the way, is a receptacle for all kinds of emotions. So this is where you would need to allow yourself to feel all of it, though. Feel all of it. Because you cannot activate the heart and just say, hey, I want only the good stuff to come through. Don't give me any of the bad stuff. I don't want the pain. I don't want the suffering. I don't want the anxiety. I don't want depression. Give me pills for that. You know, treat me from that stuff. Just the fact that you guys have collectively manifested pills that numb you and dumb you down from not feeling is all I need to know about where the state of divine feminine is on this planet. It's nowhere. Because having divine feminine integrated means having your heart open to whatever frequency is going to come through, not just the good stuff. Yeah.
No, you can't have just the good stuff and not the bad stuff. It goes both ways. It's the ebbs and the flows. The good thing about emotions, though, is this too shall pass. Because your emotions, they're kind of like the ocean. And it's like the tides. They, go, they come and they go. And that is just like the whole point of it. They're supposed to come and go. So the one thing that no matter what you're feeling, stay in this emotion. Don't suppress it. And don't take a pill for it. The opening your heart comes through the rite of passage. And the rite of passage is being able to take the entirety of that spectrum in your, into yourself and processing it. Because one thing you guys do with your emotions, which is really sad, but because you don't want to process it, because you don't want to stay with that emotion, because you don't want to feel it, is you would deposit it inside of an organ or a particular aspect of your body. And then a similar kind of emotion would always get deposited into the same spot. Now, very often you don't want to process the bad stuff. And that is how you get 98% of disease, is emotion that is stuck in a place where it's not supposed to be stuck because it was supposed to be processed in the first place. So how do I know that you guys don't have the divine feminine activated? Look at the state of health on this planet. It's dire, including COVID-19. It's dire. The state of health and vitality and wellness on this planet is dire on the collective level. And that is because you have shoved every single possible negative emotion down into an organ where it doesn't belong, and then you did it again, and then you did it again, and then you did it again. So I urge you to start feeling. Give yourself permission to feel, even if it's the negative stuff. Even if it's something you don't want to feel. Even if it's something that's exceptionally inconvenient. Even if it's something that does not give you warm fuzzies inside and makes you like, feel like a million bucks all the pain and all the suffering and all the betrayal and all the jealousy, all of it, feel it. Because you know what happens? When you let yourself feel the bad, you let yourself feel the good and eventually you can find balance. I know this was a lot. I know this is a fairly complicated subject. And I know that over the course of, you know, However long I will be doing this, we will probably come back to this topic more than once because it is just that foundational, right? And it's also that unexplored and it's that uncharted as a territory. But yeah, I urge you to think for yourself and if any of the pillars, if any of the points of the five star are resonating with you, start making baby steps. Because evolution is a gradual process. It's not a one and done. And it starts with you. The choice starts with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.